Advent season starts today. In Pastor Mimi mentioned this last Sunday, but for Christians, usually traditionally Christian church calendars begin today, the first Sunday of Advent. The Advent is four Sundays leading up to Christmas, the birth of our Lord Jesus. In those four seasons, we have we really celebrate four at least four uh, themes. One is hope, one is peace, one is joy, and finally love. Ending up with uh, uh, the birth of Christ on the Christmas Christmas Day. Hope because God saw the desperate, impossible, horrendous place we live in, living without true answers but only in despair. Hope because God breaks in. Hope because God breaks in into our broken, sinful world as the only true hope for all our ill. Oh, not that one, okay. We'll do that later. You need to repent. That's what it is. <laughs> Now, if you want to follow along uh, uh, today's message and also ha have it on your, uh, for later time to review, you can follow along in Version Bible app event. You can uh, type that, the address on it and you can, uh, you can actually save it after you open up and save it. You, you, you can, you'll be able to look at it later. And, um, yep, this is a... Uh, uh, I found this in the Google. Google search is so great. I don't know what I did it did before without Google search, you know. And I did a Google search. The four themes of Advent, and I, they have the hope right in the middle as a person. I love it, and I uh, just love to talk about this pick. Anyway, we are in the midst of. I don't know if you remember. We are in, still in the midst of messages. It's a series called Life in the Spirit. And I do not, I do not know when we will end. We are still in the midst of it. Because I, I, I know at least at this point we are going through the book of Acts. We are, today we are finishing up first part of the book of Acts. Now next year we will hopefully finish the second part of the book of Acts. But we are really looking at life as us sons and daughters of God. Christians really is life in the Spirit of God. And today, I love this title, But Prayer. I love this title. It's from verse 5. And I love it because but, the word but, speaks of the situation things are in. Let me see what I wrote down. I wanted to save time, but not, not saying a lot of other things. I love this title because it comes in verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 5. But because there is impact. There are impossible situations beyond our control and wit. But because true answers are difficult to find and come by, if any at all. But because we are often helpless and not adequate. Also prayer because in it we have the greatest, all, the greatest and the true answers to all things. Prayer because... It, in it is the greatest help of all. Prayer because it is something anyone at any time or any place they can do. 
I love this title, but prayer. You'll see why I chose this title a little later, okay? Let me go on. Uh, today we are covering book of Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 24. Not doing verse 25, only to, up to 24, all right? Let me remind us, the book of Acts, the, the record of the church in the early, early times, really, you can, the book of Acts can be outlined by one verse. Chapter 1, verse 8 of the book of Acts. It says, it's a promise to escape, saying, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Today, the focus is that you will receive power. And, and you will be my witnesses. Impossible. There are a lot of impossible things in our life, isn't it? The things beyond our control, things we cannot do anything about. This is reality of this world. So this chapter really begins with very difficult, almost impossible situation. What you'll find in verse 1 is, now about the time. Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them, persecute them. And he had James, the brother of John, one of the main leaders of the early church, put to death with a sword. Now, this church uh, begun, it's been at least 10 years or so. Now, church in Jerusalem has been facing waves of persecution, many, many happening things going on. And a lot of Christians were being persecuted and put to death. Now Herod, the king, was a vicious and ruthless king. Just like his grandfather, the Herod the Great. Very interesting family. He thought he wanted to please the Jews. So he went after the leaders. To, uh, just, and went after the leaders and got one of the main apostles, James, and killed him. Now the persecution is going on. And he says, when he saw that he pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread when he had seized him. He put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him. By the way, the word squads here in Greek is quotonion, means four. It's a squad, and a, a squad of four soldiers. So he, so Herod put four squads, 16 soldiers, to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. Now, because this is about third time that Peter was put into jail. Two, for first two times, somehow he was miraculously re released. This time Herod made sure that he will not be released. He will not be uh, somehow escaped. So he had four Quatonians, um, uh, which is four squads of soldiers. And they broke down the night watch into three-hour blocks. And every three-hour block, and the four soldiers will guide him, guard him. And, and his hands will, be, hands will be tied, one to one soldier here, the other to the other soldier. And then two will be guarding the cell. So there's no way he can get out. Maximum security. Because he heard about how Peter escaped prison a number of times. This was happening. Look at verse 5. So Peter was kept in the prison, just getting ready to be killed, executed. 
It says, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. If you think about it, that's what all church can do. They were praying. I want you to look at the word fervently. I highlighted it with the yellow and everything. I love it. This is so helpful with the, when you play with the computer, you're coloring the word and, and make it, in that, you know, that italicized whatever, highlighted. I love it. Fervently. By the word fervently is used when she, in a few times in the Bible. And the, uh, the Luke who wrote Gospel Luke as well as Book of Acts used it when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he withdrew from them about stone's throw. Jesus, he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Here, the church was praying fervently. For Peter, Apostle Peter, to God, fervently, regularly. I mean, the fervently has, fervent, that word has few uh, different nuance to the word. And that, that at least three different ways of translating it. One of the way is as NASB, like CSB, uh, Contemporary uh, Standard Bible. But the church was praying fervently for God, for him, meaning a lot of energy and passion. And in NIV says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Here the emphasis is not as much as passion, but sincerely, earnestly praying. But King James and other versions put it another way. He says, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. There are three aspects, nuance of this word, praying Fervently, meaning they're praying with passion, intensity. They're praying with conviction. They're praying continuously for Peter to be released. This is another one of those Google uh, search things. So Peter was kept in prison, but, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Love it. But prayer. And we, we have seen God does miracles even through us. Last two years, we've been praying continuously for missionary pastor Andrew Brunson. I don't know if he really fervently prayed. We tried. I don't know if he prayed passionately, earnestly with conviction. I don't know if he continuously prayed, but we did pray with our own weakness. We prayed. We remembered to pray. And, and God answered our prayers in the way that he designed. Not necessarily the way we expected it or imagined it to be, but it. So he is up sort of a prison with a, in a bed. It's a, it must be a very 20th century prison with the, the bed frames over there or not. Anyhow, but prayer. Now, verse next section talks about how God suddenly intervenes. Let me read verse 6. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward. Now think about the church praying. And they're praying because they know when the Herod was trying to execute him. It's the night before he'll be let out to be executed 
the night. Hopeless, right? Look at what Peter, Peter, Peter was sleeping between the two soldiers bound with chains. Actually, message version says, so interesting, it says he was sound asleep. It wasn't just he was sleeping, he was sound asleep. Think about it. There is peace in this man, in this situation. He's ready to be killed tomorrow, be chained between two soldiers, and in the chains, he's sleeping. Many commentators say there's peace in his heart. Not resignation, not fear, but he has peace in his heart. You see, trust in God, trusting in God also has an aspect of resting in God. You rest in God. Not fearing, not just trembling, but you, you rest in God. And God's in front of the door while watching over the prison. This is what's happening. Look at what it says. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared. And a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up saying, can you picture it? Angel shows up with the light and he's still sleeping. So he's, angel, angel just hit him. Wake up. Kick him, right? Struck him. By the way, I highlighted because that word is important. You'll see it later. Angel struck him on the side. Woke him up saying, get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. The chains fell off. I guess the, the prisoner, the, the guards were just totally asleep. I guess angel also put them to total deep sleep. They would not move. At the darkest hour, God sent his angels, angel of light. I want to stop you something. One of the things that our generation, a lot of Christians in our generation do not understand or do not even expect this activity of angels. We have a lot of movies about, you know, the demonic things. and whatnot. We do not really understand. The Bible talks about how God sent angels. There's a ministry angel Bible talks about so much. Somehow we are not aware. We don't even expect. We don't even see, think about it. You see in this passage how God sent angels. You see, God could have done it by his spirit, just by miracles. But God did send an angel in this case. If you think about it, if you think about it, you remember, go, go back in the Bible, you'll find how often the angels are mentioned. They are minister angels. I'm praying that God will release the angelic activities for the sake of his kingdom. Amen? That, that it will loosen the chains, loosen the bonds. And the angel said to him, gird yourself and put on sandals. He says, he says, huh, huh. I said, get up. Put your shoes on. Put your clothes on. Because, he, because he, you know, he's just dazed. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know what was being done by angel's wheel. But he thought he was seeing a vision. And, and, uh, um, the message version says he thought he was dreaming. He thought he was in dreams. He's following and just following the angel, and you know, and he thought he was dreaming. He don't know, didn't know what's happening. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along 
one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Now I want you to think about it a little bit, what's happening. How this is the darkest hour, and Peter is ready to be executed very next morning. Angel suddenly appears and, 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 and wakes him up, and the chains fall off, and leaves him. And the, the guards are all asleep, deep sleep, and leaves him, and the door, gate, iron gate, opened by itself. And it leaves him out. Now let me, look here, let me read verse 11. And when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod, from all that the Jewish people were expecting. God sent forth his angel. Now I wanted to quote one of the most respected theologians of 20th century. John Starr says, Our understanding of who this angel was still, was, will still depend will depend largely on our presuppositions and in particular whether we believe in the existence of angels and the possibility of the miracles. He's saying often our understanding of this, who this angel was, will depend on our presuppositions, whether we believe they are angels and the miracles that God will do through them. I, for one, am a believer in the word of God, literally as what the Bible says. Bible speaks of angel angels that God uses. That that activity didn't stop. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about how uh, that angels are ministering, ministering angels from God, really helping and serving God's saints, God's sons and daughters. And I, I mentioned that not going to some you know, weird things, but I want to be biblical as what Bible says. Uh, what Bible says that we believe as it is. The angel, angelic activities that happens, God grants. I, I remember I, I mentioned it probably a few, uh, number of times, I believe. You know, one of the things I do in the morning you know, is probably last probably 17 years as a, as a part of Hope Church, one of the things I do, whether anybody join me or not, is I'll come and take time in the morning to come and pray. You know, and, 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 and I remember some years ago when we were in the old FKPC building, and I will pray in the green room. My spot was about here, right here, first row by the chair, right here. And I'll be in the front praying, and, and I'll have music going on. And as I pray, sometimes I feel like I hear voices in the back singing, with, singing the song. And I don't know how often I'll look back, because I thought I heard voice singing, beautiful voice. And I, and I had that so many times that I said, this angel must be joining me with me in prayer. And I hear voices going on. I don't think I'm crazy. But definitely the Bible speaks of angels' activities. Now, you find, so as, as Peter is released, now as he comes out, you, you'll find the God's people praying. And, and, and the praying and having a prayer meeting. It's amazing how sometimes you, 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 as you read the story more, you'll find how often even the early church, though they pray fervently with intensity and sincerity and continuously often we, our expectation of God answering our prayer is so often very weak. We pray, but we don't always expect God to do something. But they are, in this story, you find they were surprised by God's answer. 
How often do we get a surprise by the way God breaks and answers our prayers? Look at what it says. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark. Now, you need to put a mental, mental note in there. There's a guy named John Mark here, okay, who, who later becomes a writer of the Gospel of Mark. His mother is Mary, okay? Put that in your mind. And in this house, they must have a, she must have a big house. And there many were gathered together and they were praying. So Peter, when he came out, he realized, he knew right away, he knew that they were praying for him in, in Mary's house. So he knew where to go. But he knew they were praying. So Peter goes to the house. And when he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda, which means Rose, came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of the joy, she, because of the joy, she was so excited. She did not open the door, gate, but she ran back in and told people that Peter was standing in the, from the gate. Can you, can you see the little girl running? She's so excited. Oh, Peter. And she ran. Whether or not open the door, she ran back home, went, went back inside and said, Peter is here. Look what people say. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. They said, pray God, release him. You are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. Their thought was, when people are in difficult places, their guardian angels may be coming around. And that's what they're thinking. They didn't expect the God to answer. They're still praying. How often we pray? We pray, but yet somehow, do we believe that God will answer? Yes, maybe, and no. But it happens, right? We pray, and they say, God answers, like, Really? They, they don't get it here. Now, what is, but Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. Not that they, it didn't, they opened the door and they gave thanks to God. They praised God. No, they were amazed. They were shocked. The prayer really worked. God answered. How God comes often, in, even in our weak prayers. Even in our weak prayers, God answers in his grace, doesn't he? But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. Look at what Peter says, Peter says here. He didn't say angel, but Lord led him out of the prison through angel. And he said, report these things to James and the brethren. This James, by the way, is the different James. Not the James who died. This James is the brother of Jesus down the line. He will, who will write the letter of James. He becomes a major leader of the church, that James. Then he left and went to another place. So, and, and here you, you find how they were praying and they were asking God, but yet they lacked expectation. But God still answers. Now, um, but the story doesn't end there. The story goes on to say, you know, now you have to think of because Peter is released again by angel and, and miraculously, now something happens. Look what it says. Now, when, when they came, when the next morning comes, there was a no small disturbance, meaning there was a big disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. What happened? We were just tied to him. The chains are down. 
And when Herod had searched for him and had not found him, he examined the gods and ordered that they be led away to execution. And they couldn't find where Peter was. And, and, and so you, you lost him. You, you take his place. Those 16 gods were all executed. And then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and was spending time there. Now let me read the next, uh, next section. Why? The reason is that God is making a point here. It talks about end of the Herod, the King Herod, who, who brought about this persecution. Now he was very angry. Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And with one accord, they came to him. Having won over Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they were asking for peace because their country was fed by king's country. On an appointed day, Herod, having put on his royal apparel, took his seat at the rostrum. I don't know what the rostrum is. And began delivering an address to them. And people kept crying out, the voice of God and not of man. Now, apparently what happened was Josephus, a uh, first century Jewish uh, historian, writes how he was wearing silver clothes. And when he was giving a speech, the light shine reflected him so much to the point, it looked like he was glowing. And people were saying, this is voice of God, not of, not of man. And, he, and, and giving him all the prayer which is not due him. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him. Now, I highlighted him. Struck him. When angel came in, struck him, Peter, he awoke and he let him out. Here, angel of the Lord struck him and he dies because he did not give God the glory. He was eaten by worms and died. Apparently, Josephus, the historian, talks about how he suddenly got into this disease, a sickness, and died right away. Angel of the Lord struck him. I'm looking at this story, and now it doesn't end there. The last, last word in the story is, let me go back. Um, as, as the, I think the reason that this, the story talks about the end of Herod is to say, the impossible situation which Herod started, he, he thought he was in power, he had all kind of thing. But God is saying, no, he's not in control. I'm in control. He brought all the destruction to church. But at the end, you find how Herod is killed, dies, and declaring that God is in control. God is in control. And God is in charge. God knows what he's doing. God allows things, but yet, Man doesn't have the final say. Look at last verse. And the, but the word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. The last word is the word of God grows and, and, and increases and, and is shared all over. People hearing about the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God, our God in our midst. Speaks about this situation which seemed impossible. The church was facing. Our people of God prayed. Suddenly, God's brought, God broke, breaks in. Suddenly, God breaks in, changes the whole situation. I asked uh, Daniel to sing that praise for us today in our worship. When the, when the, what, what, I'm having a little, little brain. I don't want to use the thought, but 
when you walk into, we, we sang the song, when you walk into the room. I, I love the fact that they started from the third verse. When you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Their older, situ, their older, their older situation ceases to exist. This is a little different from the one we sang. I think this, this, this verses may not be as clear. Right? Some, some, things, some words are missing here. When you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish and the hopeless situation ceases to exist. I think that's what it was. When God walks into the room, you see, Christmas really, Advent, coming of Christ is really God breaking into this world. Hope is when God breaks into our world. You see, prayer, as we come before God in prayer, God breaks in. Draws in to a situation that looks impossible. Looks like you don't know, dead and nowhere to go. Hopeless, despair. And now God breaks and everything changes. That's what this story is about. God is saying the world we're living in is filled with things. We may, we may see impossible, difficult. We have dead and nowhere to go. But God breaks in. Christmas speaks of that our God breaks in. He did it 2,000 years ago, decisively, but he does it in our lives daily, regularly. Prayer invites God in. I found some quotes uh, on the, uh, on some thoughts and quotes on the, uh, on the uh, prayer. But before I do that, I want to highlight the word of God continues to spread and flourish. That's the end of the whole thing. Out of all the things, and was God, the word of God flourishes and spread. Couple of things. Are we praying? Are we praying earnestly, fervently, without ceasing? This is what uh, Henry Ironside, I, I think this is the early 20th century famous Bible teacher and preacher. People say sometimes, why do we need to pray? Does not our gracious God know all about us and what we need for better than we do? But we learn from the word that God has chosen to do in answer to prayer what he might not do apart from prayer. The things that God will do to, uh, to, to, as an answer to prayer, things we will not do without prayer. He gives in answer to prayer some things he will not give apart from it. James chapter 4 verse 2 says, ye, ye have not because you ask not. So prayer is a resource of God's needy people. Pray for ourselves, prayer in behalf of others. This uh, Peter Wagner, one of the um, well-known uh, 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 professor and theologian from Fuller Seminary, prayer does not change the nature of God. See, prayer does not change God. No, is prayer some way we can manipulate God? No. However, the nature of God also includes involving human beings who have been reconciled to him through Jesus Christ in his activities as members of his family. Look at what it says. As God's will unfold, God in his sovereignty decides not to predetermine all things that will happen among human beings, but make a certain number of things contingent upon human participation. Meaning in God's sovereign will, there are, there are things God left 
contingent upon our participation through prayer, our faith, our trust in God, us inviting us God into. Richard Foster, one of my favorite books, Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, he says, we are working with God to determine the future. Look at what he says. We are working with God to determine future. I don't even thought about that. We are working with God to determine the future. Certain things in, will happen in history if we pray rightly. Isn't that a good quote? We are working with God to change the future. Certain things will happen in history if we pray rightly. Now, um, I didn't put it in my notes, but I, I th think about this. By the King Herod, Apostle James was executed, killed. But Peter was released. What's the difference? Why was P James killed, but Peter lived? I don't, know, I don't know all the answers, but one thing I know is that when Peter was in prison, they prayed for him. It, they, I, mean, I don't know. They may have prayed for James as well, but we, do not, we have no record of it. But I do, know, I do know at least one thing. That while Peter was in prison, church was fervently praying. I'm not saying James died because church didn't pray. But I'm saying that Peter was released because church prayed. Amen? God allows in our lives opportunity to come and ask him and pray. You see, hope in God's goodness, God's breaking in is expressed in our prayer. Hope prays. Hope prays. Hope really is waiting on God's goodness in our lives, but hope is expressed through prayer. That's why we are hope. How's the prayer for everyone? I just want to throw in there. As a result of their intercession, God was free to act in unusual and remarkable ways. Isn't that, I, I like the quote. Ray Stedman, is, uh, Ray Stedman, he was passed away probably the 1980s. He was a mentor to Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite teachers. As a result of their intercession, God was free, God was free to act in unusual and remarkable ways. You see, prayer Opens the doors, doesn't it? Prayer loosen the chains. Prayer open the iron gates. Let me go back to you said James four two. It says you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. How often this is true? We do not have because we do not ask. Prayer opens iron gates. Gates, they are locked. Prayer opens. Not by armies, by prayer. Prayer opens iron gates. As I prepare this week's message, I mean, there are, every time when I prepare a message, but especially today when I was preparing today's message, I feel this word, this today's word was for some of us. Very specific prophetic word for us. I believe God is opening doors. Some of us who feel we are chained, we're stuck in a situation we cannot get out. 
It felt like the gates are closed. We are bound in a hopeless place. I feel like God was saying, as I declare the word, that promise is being released. And God, the prayer opens iron gates. And when I, and when I come and pray on mornings, you know, I try to remember people's names and I try to write down people's names. And as I come and I pray for different people in our church and I make different prayers. And I have been praying for you in many different ways, asking God to open doors, many different doors. And God's, our God is God who opens doors. See, Advent is, when Christ coming to earth, the Advent is when heaven, heaven, heaven opened up to us. You see, at Christmas is when God opens up heaven for us. That's what Christmas is. And hope, praise, because prayer opens God's gates. Hope, because Christ never locks his gates. Hope, we wait on God. We trust in God. Hope, because Christ never locks his gates. I'm almost done. This is my final slide. Hope, praise. Hope, praise. Hope ought to pray fervently. Amen. As we begin this uh, Advent season, we, we remember our God is God of hope. You know, the, you have to understand Israelites in their Israelites in their history, by the time when Jesus Christ came, Israelites, God's people, were in a difficult place. They were a hopeless place. About 700 years before Jesus came, Israel, Israel was such a mess. They walked away from disobeyed God. The nation was destroyed. They, took, they, they were took in, taken as exile into Babylon, and they lost everything. Some of them came back as God promised. They came back, but they couldn't restore the nation into its glory at all. They were under the most mightiest army. The nation at the time, Roman Empire, took over. And, you know, and they were under control of tiny little people were under control of this mighty army. And they were, they were, under, they were under total control. The hope them being living as people of God was totally decimated. They were at the mercy of this pagan nation, ruthless nation. In the midst of them, they were saying, we, we remember God's promise. We still hold on to you, God. They were holding on to the promise. You see, that was the hope. They were holding on to the hope of God's character, God's promise, what God said, how God said he would send his Messiah to send, set them free. That's what they're waiting for. It's just like the church of the praying but they were supposedly waiting and praying, but, but they lacked. They were not really expecting anything to really happen. When Christ really came, when he knocked on the door, they couldn't hear it. They didn't understand. You see, Christmas is about God opening heaven's gates. Christmas is about hope coming in. Hope, God breaks in. God breaks in. That's what Christmas is. Hope, because God breaks into our lives, doesn't he? Especially as we come and pray and we trust in God. God breaks in. Amen? 
as the praise team come. I don't know where you are. As I was praying, I, be, I believe this was a word for some of you. I think for all of us, but particularly some of you, is more so. If you are in, in a very tight place, you feel like you're changed, chained, you have no way out, you're stuck, and the, all the doors are closed, I want to declare to you, our God is God who opens gates. When you come to him in hope and pray, prayer, God suddenly breaks in. Chains will be loosened. Iron gates will open. He makes a way. The life comes in. Life comes in. Everything changes. I declare as God's word to you. Receive it by faith as his word upon you. Amen? Let's all stand. God, when you walk into a room, everything changes, oh God. God, you broken into our broken world, despairing, hopeless world, God. You came in as a hope, real hope, hope that is alive, unexpected. We didn't expect you to come in this way, but you came. You changed everything in us, God through Jesus Christ. When you're, when you're expecting army to come, you came as a baby, helpless baby. When you're looking for some pompous, mighty king, you came as a servant. We love you, we honor you, we give you glory, God. You are God who broke, in, break, broke into our world. Bring life and hope and joy and peace. We love you, we love you, oh God. We thank you that you grant us prayer, hope to come and look to you, God. That you open doors, you open gates, God. We give you glory today. We declare your goodness in our lives, God. I declare today the hope, praise. I declare today your God who opens the door. You spoke to us beginning of the year. I have set before you oh, Set, set before your open door which no one can shut because you have little power but you've been faithful God you said I've set before your open door which no one can shut but I declare this is a year open door God we walk in with you we love you we honor we give you glory God let, open, let heaven be open not only for us God for this community, this, this area, God, to come to know and honor, see the beauty and glory of our God. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, oh God. Breaking, oh God. Come in as you desire. We actually come in breaking into in Rana's life, even in the hotel, hospital room, God. Breaking, God. And oh, God, we ask that life will come. We love you. We love you. We love you for you are good. We worship you, we thank you, God, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray.